The stars offer explanations. Captain Kirk from Star Trek was the lead hero and star of the TV show from the 1960s. Captain Kirk has an interesting history through his name, Kirk. Kirk in the older languages was a spelling of our modern word church. So the name itself translates to church. Photo by Joel Santos on Pexels.com In many ways the TV show called Star Trek and others, from the 1960s, became the literal church of TV viewers everywhere. Captain Kirk of Star Trek became the spiritual leader of the church of TV branch of Star Trek. The stars and actors who portrayed the roles on Star Trek became our archetypes for behavior and more importantly explanations. Most questions and things that people are seeking were answered in one way or another on the TV show Star Trek, but with explanations. What is an explanation, really? Explaining explanations. An explanation is a way of laying out the parts of a topic or an idea or an issue. An explanation does not have to carry an opinion or an answer or a solution. An explanation can be completely honest when it carries no opinion nor an answer nor a solution, but it's simply a parsing of the details of a subject. This means that an explanation does not have to nor does it usually contain an answer or a solution. However, an untrained or lazy mind can refer to explanations as answers and solutions. A very dangerous road to follow. The reasons why we have so many songs, books, TV shows, sciences, universities, media-slash-news providers and institutions that offer the general population explanations instead of answers or solutions, could be discussed for a very long time, but then we would lose the time we need, for actual answers and solutions. Greater than we are denying ourselves correct answers and solutions by following explanations and leaning on them for validations. Star Trek the TV show became the behavior headquarters and church of the world TV viewing population. It has offered us explanations only. These explanations were costumed in many different glitters and colors along with many emotional triggers and potential scenarios that the average human of the day was going through. The show provided archetypes for every person's needs or wants for how their life might turn out. These influential TV shows, as you can see, have as much influence as any of the churches of old that we have read about. Since we see that Star Trek the TV show, and the TV show that came before it called I Love Lucy, along with all the TV shows since, have as much influence as any of the ancient churches or antique churches had before. We can logically assume, that the owners of this power never changed hands. East or West The sun offers an answer and a solution every day. It rises in the east and has an effect throughout the day until it reaches solar noon. It is a positive and enriching push effect. After solar noon, the sun is falling as it travels west. It has a dragging and pulling and dying effect as it leaves westbound. All documented by science studies. Each man and woman has two intersecting lines that meet at the center of our hearts. The north-south line is eternal and not manipulatable. The east-west line is your free will and consequence line. Which way you turn your attention and intention, be it east toward rising things or west toward falling things, these choices, determine our consequence and outcomes. All from controlling our thoughts. Captain Kirk crunched time. At cadet school, James T. Kirk was presented with a mock-up test, but Starfleet programmed it secretly to be unsolvable. Kirk, was the only cadet in history to solve and win the mock-up scenario. He invaded the spaces for a solution. Eventually, he discovered the program dash and reprogrammed it to win. Each soul man or woman has to decide, if they want to follow stars on TV shows as their personal archetypes. 
Do they feel that their life should be directed by TV show archetypes? Are there other places to look for better archetypes? Can we look at real people around us, to replace the TV show archetypes with real physical people that we know? Could we look at ancient advanced men who have had large followings and have written vast documentation about their understanding of our purpose here on earth? The soft voice that is completely protected inside our heart that speaks to us on what our purpose is has been written about by a 100,000 prophets, and it's easily available in our modern world through the ancient texts including the Bible. Many men have passed through the world and explained what our true purpose is. It always comes down to quieting yourself enough to hear the soft voice that lives inside your heart. Yeah but, how many spirits are there? There are two kinds of spirit in our being in existence. The first spirit that we're most familiar with has a small s. This spirit is represented in our thoughts and emotions and other unnamed areas that are non-physical. This is the kind of non-physical spirit that every human being is familiar with. This type of spirit can speak loudly or softly and is considered by most people to be something that they own as part of their right to exist. The second spirit is actually your first spirit and starts with a capital S. This spirit is your impetus, your driving force. You can talk directly to it in your quietest and reflective moments. It talks directly to you, when you get the sensation, you are doing wrong. And when you have direct contact with suffering and you feel compassion. All the old text and living uities today are anxious to explain all the details of the answers and solutions made just for you. TV Show Explanations The stars and the TV shows have provided us with continuous explanations that rarely agree. Surrounded by glitters, seductions, attachments and directions on how to behave and who to value and who to devalue. Many explanations and all the support needed to direct you. Into bad behavior and back to hell for a reboot. Horrible. Of all the cool things the church of TV and screens has brought us, the worst one is who to value and who to devalue. We have been shown and paid to value some and devalue others. Simple formula, create fascination with a fascist nation. Entice the leaders of it with money and anything on the list of the seven deadly sins. Let nature take its course and time it with end of civilization, natural cycles. Boom. Star Trek Reality Lessons, from Star Trek-style influential shows, to be more on. They offer explanations and glitter. All the answers and solutions provided take you back to bad behavior and hell for a reboot when you die. There must be a better way. Who will God call to come pass? The chosen people, will be called from all of us prisoners, means pre-risen, no worries, with the same loudness that all men and women are being called. Right now, right here, today. How will you know if you are being called? You will withdraw from the noise of the world and listen for an inner voice. If you humble and quiet yourself, you will hear the call. That means you are chosen to come pass. Details in upcoming and previous blogs. An Australian Christian writer answers the question, Do you have to be Christian white to be redeemed and saved spiritually? Read to the end, it has a nice finale. Below mirrored from https colon slash slash christianidentityaustralia.org slash so you're of the pure white race are you prove it slash so you're of the pure white race are you prove it january 21st 2020 by obadiah 118 when the old forum was young a character by the name of ec made some posts pushing the theory that racial lineage determines blood type ec who claimed to have studied medicine asserted that if we don't have type aa blood we're genetically compromised and thus not going to heaven. Here's a little of what he posted. 
Greater than conclusion, this is all very relevant in blood type and racial identification of the children of the covenant. Only pure Adamic children of the covenant will have AA blood genotype, as this is a scientifically founded fact that Adamic Caucasians have blood type AA. Christian identity groups can call of some of the wolves by a simply inquiring of its members' phenotype blood markers such as AB, B or O as a definite marker of a non-Adamic bloodline. Using a simple blood test available at pharmacies can be used to show the displayable phenotype blood groups such as A, B, O or AB. Gulp. That's great news if we have type AA blood, but absolutely lousy news if we don't. Lousy news if we're to assume that EC is right. As it turns out he's not. A Google search of blood type and race yields nothing in the way of definitive scientific proof from any reputable source that blood type is an indisputable marker of white racial purity. At best, blood type provides a general indication of our ethnic origins, but is not the final word on them. Curiously, after bursting onto the Christian identity scene with his singular spin on Adamic hematology, E.C. went AWOL and a blog he'd set up to expound his scientifically founded theories vanished. Why he didn't stick around to supervise the vital culling of unwanted blood types from our ranks is as much a shame as it is a mystery. The guy was born for the job. At any rate, those of us who don't have type AA blood can heave a big sigh of relief. Although maybe we shouldn't heave too big a sigh, because if a blood test can't determine our racial purity, we need to find something that does. After all, mongrels are barred from Yahweh's kingdom. We don't want to suffer the slings and the arrows and the knives and the baseball bats that come from being adherents of the world's most reviled religion, Christian identity, only to learn that we suffered in vain because we didn't measure up genetically. Okay, so blood type is out. What about our DNA? Surely our DNA can tell us whether we're racially whole or not. Not necessarily. Like blood type, DNA can give us only a general idea about our racial composition. Ancestry by DNA offers a DNA analysis service. This is from their website. Greater than the Ancestry by DNA test results give you a 95% confidence interval, which is a measure of the statistical strength of the test. The only way to achieve 100% accuracy in an Ancestry test would be to go back in time and test each and every one of your ancestors. Since this is impossible, we rely on statistics to make a prediction of your most likely ancestry mix. Say what? They make a prediction based on statistics of our likeliest ancestry. An educated guess in other words. How educated is anybody's guess? They claim it's 95% accurate. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But unless their test is 100% accurate, what good is it? With blood type and DNA eliminated as infallible arbiters of white racial heritage, we're left with just our physical appearance and family trees as means for ascertaining our genetic purity. Let's start with physical appearance. Features such as blue eyes, blonde hair, and alabaster skin are hallmarks of white European ancestry, whereas frizzy hair, slanty eyes, and a year-long tan, even when snows a falling, are dead giveaways that there's some non-white DNA whooping it up inside us but physical appearance can be deceptive at times. I once had a crush on Helen Slater, the star of that torturous 80s flick, Supergirl. Slater was a blonde vision, but as I later discovered, a Jewish blonde vision. So many different factors determine how we look that how we look isn't always the best indication of what we are. Work, stress, illness, culture, nutrition, environment and birth and hereditary defects can all affect our physical appearance. 
Even children of the same sex with the same parents can look radically different. Take Jacob and Esau. Esau was hairy but Jacob wasn't. If a child as hirsute as Esau were born to a Christian identist couple today, they might be accused of having antecedents with a soft spot for interracial dating, yet Esau's lineage was impeccable. We're often told that a big nose is a telltale sign that someone forgot to wear his yarmulke, and that high cheekbones means there's a one-ton in one's biological soup, but are these things racial certainties, or are they in some instances mere genetic quirks, like oversized feet and double-jointed fingers, which once insinuated into our genome are passed from one generation to the next? It would be dumb, stupid, and foolish, did I mention stupid? To disregard physical appearance as evidence of one's race, but in our burning zeal to root out ravening non-white wolves from our midst have we become so paranoid about every deviation from the racial norm that we're condemning some full-blooded Israelites as momsers? If someone is taller than average, should we assume he's a throwback to the Nephilim? And if someone is shorter than average, should we assume that his forebears must have been jungle-dwelling pygmies? Certain Hebrews-slash-Israelites in the Old Testament were noted for their good looks. Saul and Rebekah are two that spring to mind. Most of their kinfolk, however, would not have been as prepossessing. Some would have been downright ugly or even downright deformed, but they were still Yahweh's children. They were still racially whole. Ugliness and deformity are not absolute proof of miscegenation, any more than comeliness is a guarantee of racial integrity. This is why we cannot determine our ancestry from physical appearance alone, for imperfect looks can hide a perfect pedigree. We're down to just family trees now. Some people in Christian identity can trace theirs as far back as the Mayflower and earlier. But regardless of how deep into the past our family tree reaches, eventually its branches will taper off into the great unknown, where lies thousands of unaccounted for years in our genetic history. Then there's the question of whether our genealogy has been recorded faithfully, and even if it has, who's to say one ancestor didn't have a secret dalliance with a non-white whose DNA hitched a permanent ride on subsequent generations of our family? It takes only one drop of non-white blood to make a mongrel. Therefore, our family tree is no more dependable than all the other unreliable proofs of ancestry. Is that it then? Do we have to accept that we won't know we're bona fide Israelites until Yeshua returns and just hope for the best in the meantime? Or has Yahweh in His wisdom already given us irrefutable proof that we are of the Holy Seed, something so glaringly obvious we've overlooked it because it's been hiding in plain sight all along? Happily, the answer is yes. He called us. If that statement seems a trifle glib, let me amplify it. Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, who spoke stars, black holes, and spiral galaxies into existence, who designed and gave life to an infinite variety of living organisms, from microscopic bacteria to towering redwoods, who instituted the laws of physics, mathematics, and biochemistry, which govern the universe and our physical selves, who sees all and knows all, called us. It's safe to assume a being who can do all of the above is able to tell who's white and who isn't. It's also safe to assume he didn't call us by mistake. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, Romans 8:19. Eons before we entered the world, Yahweh chose us. We were predestined, Romans 8:29. He decided when, where, and to whom we'd be born. Our parents might not have been dazzling examples of Aryan pulchritude, but they were Israelites perfect in their generations nonetheless. Paul wrote that we were chosen so that we should be holy. We can't be holy unless we're of the holy seed, the white race and free of unholy, 
non-white, DNA. Hence, Yahweh saw to it that our racial lineage was as pure as the driven snow, purer. Then, when the time was right, He spoke to our spirit through His Spirit, Proverbs 20:27, letting us know we were called by Him to preach the gospel message to our racial kinsmen. Notwithstanding the vital role genetics play in our relationship with Yahweh, they are not the means by which He communicates to us that we are His children. Greater than Romans 8 15-17, Amplified Bible Greater than 15 For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear, of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, by which we, joyfully, cry, Abba. Father. Greater than 16 The Spirit Himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us, that we, believers, are children of God. Greater than 17 And if, we are His. Children, then we are His, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing His spiritual blessing and inheritance, if indeed we share in His suffering so that we may also share in His glory. The Spirit and our Spirit assure us that we are His sons and daughters. The capital S Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and the small s Spirit is the Spirit of man, that part of us that isn't physical, our thoughts and emotions. All of us have experienced that pricking of the conscience, that gentle but persistent inner nagging, when we're doing or have done the wrong thing. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit, urging us to stop sinning. But we don't have to sin to hear His voice. Yahweh often communicates to us this way when we're faced with a situation not specifically covered in His Word, such as whether we should move to another country or marry a particular member of the opposite sex. The book of Acts uses the expression it seemed good to describe this form of communication, for example it seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, Acts 15:25. Yahweh speaks to us via our spirit because He is a spirit, John 4:24, and because our flesh is hostile toward Him, Romans 8:7, and incompatible with His kingdom, 1 Corinthians 15:50. Yeshua said his sheep hear His voice and follow Him, John 10:27. Israelites, known today as white Europeans, are the only race of people who can be His sheep. So it stands to reason that if we hear His voice and are compelled to follow Him come what may, we too must be Israelites. Greater than 1 Kings 9 11-12 Greater than 11 And He said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And, behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Greater than twelve, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. We tend to look for Yahweh everywhere and in everything except where He can be found 24-7, inside us. What better place to implant supernatural proof that we are His children than in our spirit, where Satan and wolves like E.C. who try to reason us out of our divine inheritance can't reach it. And what better vehicle with which to convey that proof than a still, small voice that comes from the mouth of Yahweh Himself. Who are we not to listen to it? Two comments. Oldest comments first. John Bjerga. Two years ago. I have asked the question about am I pure or not many times over due to many things that people post, such as, facial features, diseases, blood types, etc. I came into the racial covenant identity through the late Dr. James P. Wickstrom in 2016, and now through the teachings of teacher Ray Bunzo yet doubt creeps in because of all things that certain identity people has as their interpretations. Just like the nonsense of email that you and I were tagged in about discarding the new parchments, and only reading from the old parchments, 
It is more divide and conquer strategy that is from Satan and not from YHVH. Thank you Obi. Obadiah 118. Two years ago. No worries, John.